Today on Bread for the Broken with James Grizzle, pastor of Calvary Chapel, Galveston. When I read through some of these things, and I oftentimes I'll, I'll revisit the medical aspects of the crucifixion because it brings me back to this place of like a deeper appreciation of what he went through for me. And again, it's all about revisiting these stories with a fresh set of eyes because, man, I just don't want it ever to become familiar. I don't ever want it to become that same old, same old. The death of Jesus on the cross should never become so familiar to us that it doesn't move us. When we see something really often, we tend to become a little callous to it. When you hear about a murder every day, it tends to make less of an impact, simply because it's the norm. But today, Pastor James reminds us how important it is to read the Bible with a fresh set of eyes and ears. Don't become numb to the miracles and the sacrifices that Jesus made on our behalf. Just because you've heard a story a lot of times doesn't mean that it holds any less value or that it's any less impactful on our lives. Now turn in your Bible to the book of Isaiah chapter 53 as Pastor James continues his message, The Suffering Savior. about the the mocking and the ridicule that he had to put up with and, and like a sheep led to the slaughter I mean he he kept his mouth shut he didn't say a word they got him you know stretch over this stump of wood and that cat of nine tails that's either leather strips fastened with bits of bone or glass or metal it, it's removing the flesh from his back It's by those stripes we are healed. It's not by those stripes you might be healed. It's by those stripes we are healed. We can get into the, well, what does that mean, healed? It doesn't always speak of all the physical stuff. I think we understand that. Not all healing has to be physical. There are greater needs when it comes to healing than physical healing. I want the physical healing. I have personal stories within my life. I want and I pray for the physical healing. But sometimes there's a greater healing that needs to take place. Sometimes that's a spiritual healing. Sometimes that's an emotional healing. Sometimes that that could be like a, you know, and I don't want to separate the mental from the physical, but sometimes that's just a mind being renewed, a, a healing that happens within the mindset. We pray for the physical. The physical is like the most immediate because it hits us the hardest sometimes, right? We notice that. But there was a healing that takes place because of this act. And it's that of that spiritual healing. Because guess what? Man, we we were born into this world. We're born broken. We're born sinners. And this heart I have, it's messed up. This mind that I have, is messed up. This world we live in is messed up. It's messed up. It needs healing. Well, there is healing with him. I want you guys to turn over with me to 1 Peter chapter 2. Just a good little reminder here. Just so you know, Isaiah 53 is, uh, is like the most quoted 
portion of the Old Testament in the New Testament. Okay? It should blow your mind. Like, out of all the quotations, definitely out of the book of Isaiah, you're going to find Isaiah 53 or references from Isaiah 53 found the most. But if you look at uh, 1 Peter chapter 2, start in verse 21, I just want to show you how, just how beautiful that the New Testament with the Old Testament, how they go together. Verse 21 says this, for God called you to do good, even if it means suffering. Well, no, just scratch that one out, right? Because we, we Americans, we certainly don't like that. So it's like, is there a new translation that I can get that doesn't? No. In fact, if you have a Bible that doesn't include that part, throw that away because no, this is a part of the gig. This is part of the deal. For God called you to do good, even if it means suffering. And can I tell you that it probably will mean suffering. Just as Christ suffered for you, he is your example. You must follow in his steps. Verse 22, he never sinned nor deceived anyone. He did not retaliate when he was insulted, nor threatened revenge when he suffered. He left his case in the hands of God. He left his case in the hands of God. The other way to say that is, he let God fight his battles. That's a good lesson for us today. If he wanted to, he could have spoke a word. And everybody around him that was causing or inflicting harm upon him would have vanished, would have been done away with. All he had to do was snap his finger. But he didn't. Verse 24, he personally carried our sins in his body on the cross so that we can be dead to sin and live for what is right. It's not just so that you could be dead to sin. There has to be an alternative. There has to be the alternative. You could be dead to sin so that you can live for what is right. He goes on to say, by his wounds, you are healed. Once you were like sheep who wandered away, but now you have turned to your shepherd, the guardian of your souls. This is Jesus. This is the man that Isaiah 53 is talking about. The one who would pay the ultimate price, the ultimate, absolute ultimate price. And I know we, looking out at this room, I know we, we get that. We understand that to whatever degree we do. We'll never fully get it, I think. And so I would ask you, as, as it, we'll finish out this last little portion, and I'm going to read a couple other cross-references for you guys. All I would ask you to do, and if you're watching online and, or hearing about how Jesus died on the cross for you, all that I would ask you to do is this. Turn that off and look at it as if it's the first time you've ever seen this, as if it's the first time you've ever heard this. Don't lose the newness and the, the sweetness of this because it's like, man, I, I grew up in church and it's Jesus dying, Jesus dying, Jesus, you know, all that stuff. Turn that all off and revisit this with a fresh set of eyes. I would encourage you to do what, what I've been encouraged to do as, you know, as individuals have spoken into my life and I've gone through like, 
inductive Bible studies. I've done that stuff. Homiletics, I've done that stuff. All that good stuff. How to study the Bible and prepare sermons and blah, 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 blah. All that stuff. The best advice I've ever been given. Put yourself in the story. Put yourself there. Put yourself next to Isaiah as he's pinning this thing, thinking like, what in the world? This is the Messiah. He's the one. He's the one. And they're going to do this to him? But he knows the story, though. But look how, man, that's the guy I want to follow. Because this is the ultimate hero. This is the ultimate hero. Because the ultimate hero lays down his life for all of his enemies. It's one thing for a hero to lay down his life for people that love him to death. It's another thing to lay down your life for people who hate your guts. That's who we're talking about in this story. Put yourself there with Isaiah. Put yourself there with Mary and some of the other ones who are kind of standing off at a distance and they watch Jesus die on the cross. Put yourself in the shoes of those disciples who ran away. Revisit it with some fresh eyes. Fresh eyes. It's like that thing with uh, The Passion, that movie that came out. I don't even know when it came out. It came out a while ago, but Mel Gibson did the still where this movie, I've only seen it twice, and that's it. That's it. That's all I could take. I saw it twice in the theater when it came out, and I'm like, I'm not, I can't do it anymore. I just can't, because I just, I don't care if it's a depiction. For me, it's like, I can't watch people do that to my Jesus. I just can't. Part of that movie was, and I, I get this, you know, and Mel Gibson was going to, he was keeping it pretty accurate and all that good stuff. But I love the, the fact that within one of those shots, and you may know the story, where they're driving the nails into his wrist. I don't even remember if they did it in his wrist. It, it's always in the wrist. It's never in the hand, just so you know. Um, that's the, the weird guy in me. It's always in the wrist, okay? Um, the hand can't support the body. It just can't. So anyways, um, the soldier is holding the spike and driving in the nail. That's, that's Mel Gibson. He wanted to be the guy. His hand's doing that and identifying as like, it was me. It was my sins that put him there. It may as well have been me, the one standing there as this was going down. The other person I would just throw out there to you that I think I identify the most with within that story of if you're going to put yourself in anybody's shoes during that story, let it be that, that guard. Let it be that soldier who when it all happened, it all happened and he watched. He watched this Jewish man get crucified, and die like nobody else has ever died. And he heard all the sayings from the cross. He heard all the statements and all the sayings from the cross. He watched as people walk by, and they, they, they were mocking him and, and shouting all these things at him. But he watched this guy die, and he was so moved by it. He said, truly, this was the Son of God. You put yourself in his shoes, that Roman Gentile, who thrives in inflicting pain upon people, who has never been moved by any crucifixion before. And he's probably witnessed thousands of them. And for the first time ever, he sees Jesus die and he says, that dude was different. That has to be the son of God. I most relate to that guy. I most relate to that guy. 2 Corinthians 5.21, this is another good cross-reference. This is Paul writing to the church of Corinth. 
pretty messed up church, if you know their history. If you think you've been a part of some broken churches, you have no idea. Um, (laughs) For God made Christ, who never sinned or who knew no sin, to be the offering for our sin so that we could be made right with God through Christ. It's through Christ. It's by his sacrifice. It's through his sacrifice. It's through his act of obedience that we are made right with God. It's not your good behavior. It's not your good works. It has nothing to do with that. It's all about your glad surrender to Jesus and his obedience to God the Father, being that perfect sacrifice. It's a beautiful thing. I get it. It's heavy. I don't like thinking about some of this stuff. I don't, I don't, but when I read through some of these things, and I oftentimes I'll, I'll revisit the medical aspects of the crucifixion because it brings me back to this place of like a deeper appreciation of what he went through for me. And again, it's all about revisiting these stories with a fresh set of eyes because, man, I just don't want it ever to become familiar. I don't ever want it to become that same old, same old. The death of Jesus on the cross should never become so familiar to us that it doesn't move us. It should always move us. Verse 7, if you're back in Isaiah 53, it says, He was oppressed and treated harshly, yet he never said a word. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep is silent before the shears, he did not open his mouth. Unjustly condemned, he was led away. No one cared that he died without descendants, that his life was cut short in midstream, but he was struck down for the rebellion of my people. This is a fascinating little thing because oftentimes it was considered um, almost like a, a disgrace for a Jewish man to die with no children. But that wasn't true for Jesus. Now, don't go weird on me, Dan Brown style, thinking, you know, writing Da Vinci codes and all that nonsense about Jesus having babies with Mary Magdalene. That's dumb. That's not even true, okay? Just so you, I hope you understand that. But did he have descendants? You bet he did. You bet he did. And I'm looking at some of them now. He didn't die without descendants. What Isaiah is describing as he's inspired by the Holy Spirit, he's saying the people surrounding him, they had no care for Jesus at all. No one cared that he died without descendants. No one cared that this man in his 30s, maybe 33 years old, that he died midstream. Nobody cared. Nobody cared. What's fascinating about that inclusion there is that Daniel chapter 9, verse 26, actually talks about the Messiah dying in, I'll use the New Living Translation term there, midstream. And you can, you can write that down and you can look that up later. But Daniel chapter 9, verse 26, talks about the Messiah and how he showed up, but his life would be cut short. His life would be cut short. So even Daniel was referencing the fact that the Messiah is going to show up, he's going to do these things but his life will be cut short. Just giving the Jews a heads up and giving all of us a heads up as well that what the Bible said about Jesus and being the Messiah, the Savior, what it said about him in the Old Testament came to fruition within the New Testament exactly how it said it would. Exactly. How are you going to plan this out? How are you going to manipulate these things? 
How in the world could one man be born at the right time in the right small little town of Bethlehem, which not many people are born in Bethlehem around that time period? And then his family, as, as a baby, he's got this weird thing where he can mind control his parents to, they're going to go down to Egypt and flee for his own safety. And then they'll move up and he'll be raised in Nazareth, right? Like, how do you manipulate these circumstances? You don't. You can't. How do you set it up where on this right day, just last Sunday, you march or you ride on into Jerusalem on the back of a colt that has never been ridden before? on the exact day it was prophesied to. You're like, well, you could probably figure that one out. Yeah, that's cool. Okay, maybe you can. But are you going to tell me you're going to control Jewish leaders and Roman? You're going to drive up the animosity of them towards you so much that they're going to crucify you exactly when the Old Testament said your life would be cut short. That's pretty miraculous if you can do that. Jesus is the guy. He's the Messiah. There's no doubt about it. No doubt about it. It's silly to think otherwise. It really is. You have more faith than I do if you don't believe Jesus was the Messiah. Because, I mean, how do you get around this stuff? You can't. I mean, he did everything he said he was going to do. And it happened exactly when it was supposed to happen. And you cannot plot and plan these things out. And he did it for us. That's the beauty of the whole thing. That's what people miss out on when they try to figure out within their brains of all the stuff and was he really and all that. What we miss out is the fact that he did it freely for all of us. That one man would lay down his life for everyone is a point of the story we should never miss. That God himself would come to be the perfect sacrifice is a part of the story we should, we should never miss. Isaiah goes on, verse 9, this, this last little section that I was telling you about. Verse 9, he says, he, he had done no wrong and had never deceived anyone, but he was buried like a criminal. He was put in a rich man's grave. So it's fascinating that there he was. He, he died in between two criminals, for sure. And then had Joseph of Arimathea, John chapter 19, had he not shown up and offered his fresh new grave, they would have tossed Jesus's body out in the field. That's what they do to these guys. There's no proper burial for these guys. You take them down off of the cross, and then if they don't have any family or anybody to speak for them or anything like that, well, then just throw them, just throw them into the field. But he was put in a rich man's grave. Well, how does Isaiah, it's the Holy Spirit, it's prophecy, and it happened. Exactly like it said. Verse 10, but it was the Lord's good plan to crush him and cause him grief. Yet when his life was made an offering for sin, he will have many descendants. See how it says that people had no concern that he died, perished with no descendants. Well, here the Bible is letting us know, oh, no, no, no. They should have been mourning at least that, but they weren't even willing to mourn that. But what they didn't realize is that he actually has many descendants. He will enjoy a long life, and the Lord's good plan will prosper in his hands. When he sees all that is accomplished by his anguish, he will be satisfied. And because his experience, my righteous servant will make it possible for many, not for all, for many, not for all. 
He may have died for all of the sins of the world, but it doesn't say that all will be counted righteous because that really is a choice. Did he die for all the sins of the world? Yeah, he did. And I was listening to a pastor today, a guy that I respect tremendously, and he said this brilliantly. He says, people aren't going to hell because of their sins. People are going to hell because of the rejection of Jesus, which is the greatest sin. See, Jesus died on the cross for all the sins. But the one that he will never force on you, the thing that he'll never force on any of us is this receiving of forgiveness. He died for all sins, but the word says, many will be counted righteous, for he will bear all their sins. Verse 12, I will give him the honors of a victorious soldier because he exposed himself to death. He was counted among the rebels. He bore the sins of many and interceded for rebels. That's you and I. You can go ahead and write your name right there. Just in parentheses, right under rebels, if that's what your translation says. It may not. But you can go ahead and write your, your name right in there. Because he died. He bore your sins. And not only did he just die for your sins and took on all of your sins, but never miss out on that last little part. He interceded on behalf of you for you. Amazing. Amazing. Who else does this? Nobody. Nobody does this. Who else offers this in this world? I can tell you right now, emphatically, no one else offers this in the entire world. I don't care what religion it is. I don't care how great they claim their gods to be. No other god on this planet has ever offered anything like this. To step in your place, to die for your sins, so that the bridge between you and God could be made whole again, and then you could dwell and be with him forever and ever. Not based on your merit, not based on your good works, solely based on what he did for you. Nobody else offers that. Nobody else does. Jesus stepped into our story and says, I'll take it. I'll take it all. I'll take it all. You didn't do anything wrong. Doesn't matter. They need a pure spotless lamb, right? There's not one living on this planet, guys. There's not one living on this planet. He had to step in and he lived a sinless, perfect life. Remember from 2 Corinthians there, a perfect sinless life so that we could understand it as the greatest Friday because he did for us what we could have never done. He did for us what we would have never done. We would have never done this for, let's be real, we might consider it for somebody we love tremendously. But would you ever do this for somebody who's wronged you? You don't have to answer because I know the answer. No, you wouldn't. No, you wouldn't. In all of our stories, the heroes never die for the bad guys. That's why this isn't our story. This is his story. And in his story... He died for the bad guys. That's us. That's us. That's why he's the best. That's why he should be the best thing that has ever happened to you in this life.
We're so glad you tuned in today to learn from God's Word on Bread for the Broken. Pastor James has been teaching through a series called The Road to Redemption. As you learn about the journey and progression that led Jesus to the cross, you come to humbly appreciate what Jesus was willing to step into for you. Why on earth would he agree to such a torturous path that would ultimately lead to his imminent death? Well, if the story only ended on the cross, it would be no story. It'd just be history. But the story carries on because Jesus' death meant life for all. His sacrificial death took the sins of all that no one else could bear. But because Jesus is God, he didn't just stay dead with your sins. He conquered death, proving that he's stronger than death, which makes you free from the debt of sin. That's such a relief, isn't it? Are you familiar with this narrative, or is this all new information for you today? Well, if you have questions, would you get in touch with us? Go to breadforthebroken.com and fill out the form under the contact tab. We'd be happy to follow up with you on what you heard in today's message. If you'd like to explore more teachings from this series or other books of the Bible, you can also do this at our website, breadforthebroken.com. With that, our time with... With that, our time with you has come to an end today, but join us again next time as Pastor James shares more in this series called Road to Redemption. Jesus didn't come to redeem just a select few. He came to save you too. So be encouraged and inspired by what you hear on Bread for the Broken.